going to look at here is the full issue of uh, delivery of how projects are actually delivered. And now, uh, one of the enduring, and I think in many ways quite dangerous myths about architecture dates back more than 2000 years to Vitruvius, who thought that architecture be philosophers, technologists, fun, um, familiar with law, they should be artists, they should be geometricians, they should even be musicians. And of course, architects have absorbed that because it means, again, uh, to, to quote uh, uh, Hans Hollein, the uh, Austrian architect, alles ist Architektur, everything is architecture. And of course, architects have fed off that myth uh, for, for uh, generations. <clears throat> but when architecture started to, to take the form of a, a modern profession in the 19th century, the division of labor uh, through the construction industry became more and more sophisticated, not necessarily better, but more and more divided. And that has, uh, by uh, various different uh, swings and roundabouts, led to a division between design architecture and delivery architecture. Um, and as our uh, principal next speaker, Dean Cardell, uh, says, the business of architecture is often a struggle between designers who want to design and managers who want to manage. And the title of his talk is The Business of Architecture and Project Managing Art. Now, Dean is uh, the... Uh, 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 Vice President and Regional Business Leader of Buildings um, uh, for Canada, Canada West, uh, for Stantec, a, a very large firm of construction professionals. And then when Dean has finished speaking, we're going to have a response uh, from Robin Nicholson. Now, Robin has thought long and hard about the business of delivering architecture, um, both as a partner in the Cullinan Studio, a small but very highly rated design firm, based in London, but also in a wider industry role as chair of the professional body of research, trade, and professional organizations in the UK called the Construction Industry Council. So can I hand over to Dean to make your presentation? Hello, and, uh, and, and welcome. Um, uh, next slide. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, when you went to architectural school, you thought that the most important thing that you could do was learn how to uh, to make money running your business. Um, uh, it's unlikely that you did that, but some people do. And uh, from our perspective, as we go forward, um, uh, we see uh, the opportunities to uh, you know to make money being something very important uh, for our company. But at the same time, you know, designing uh, great buildings for our clients—that uh, that's that those two things can intersect together and can uh, you know can uh, be very helpful uh, as you go forward in your in your career and in in your firms. You know, one of the things uh, that that we often see is is the sort of the struggle between uh, the design architect, somebody who uh, you know really doesn't. Uh, uh, um, look necessarily at the money. They're they're there to uh, to design a great building for the client, uh, versus uh, the person that put the work plan together and and the fees, etc. Often they can be the same uh, people. In our firm, uh, we often have a separation uh, as, as quite a large firm, um, but uh, we have to work together and learn how to work together to make sure that we're designing uh, the best uh, solutions for the for the client. Uh, while at the same time trying to make sure that we run our business successfully and stay in business as we go forward. 
And one of the things we, we always try to do is really build a strong relationship with the client. Uh, hopefully the client appreciates what we do and that we're able to, uh, to charge the appropriate amount as we go forward on, on our projects um, so that there is that ability to make a little bit of profit at the end of the day. You know, so you know, it starts with planning ahead. It starts with, uh, with, with un uh, understanding what the process is of design and ultimately building that into, uh, into a work plan and, and presenting that to the client and, and hopefully uh, the client buying into to that process. At the same time, it's a very competitive business. So you have to make sure that you're trying to do it efficiently and providing a lot of value to that client and the client perceives that value so that they select you going forward and yet you're still able to uh, to make money as you go as you work on the projects. You know, so uh, when we when we look at this, you know, and we look at the process again, it comes down to communication, relationship building with uh, with the client. Sometimes we partner with partner firms on, on mega projects so relationship building with partners, uh, whether they be consultants, whether they be other architectural partners, whether they be specialists. Uh, it's really important that you uh, that you you know begin by building those relationships. We try very hard to uh, to make friends in the industry across the board, whether it be the end client, whether it be the project management firms at times, the construction firms uh, at times. There's a lot of new delivery methods that are out there, so you know, we try very hard to be collaborative um, at all times when we're working, and then even internally building the relationships with our internal uh, folks to make sure that they understand that this is a business, but at the same time, we are trying again to provide that ultimate value uh, for the client, whether it be in the functionality of the building, whether it be in how it fits into the community, uh, whether, whether, whether it be in the sustainability and resiliency that the, the buildings are coming around uh, nowadays. You know, this project is a very interesting one uh, where um, it's in Calgary. We, we had to team up almost three years in advance of this project coming out. So the first thing we had to know is that there was a project coming out. So again, we had to develop that relationship, in this case with some government agencies. Uh, we then had to, this was gonna come out as a, as a PFI that you guys might know, or as a P3 in, in, in Canada. Uh, so again, we had to team up with, uh, with a contractor. Uh, we felt that um, we needed uh, some partnership on the architectural side. We partnered with, uh, with a, a very good firm called Dialogue uh, Architecture. Um, and uh, and the, the two firms, our firm and their firm, sort of met you know, well in advance of this project, sort of developed and honed a little bit of culture ourselves to make sure that when it came out, we would be well positioned to win and then ultimately well positioned to deliver. And uh, you know, that pre-planning work, that those efforts to meet together and to, uh, to, to know one another have really helped in the delivery of this project. It's, it's currently under construction, as you see, and, uh, and will be finished uh, at the end of next year. You know, it, it, it comes down again to understanding as well, the owner uh, having the right leadership on the project is something that we uh, we work very hard to do. And in this case, you know, we've got uh, a clinical lead. This is a healthcare project. We have, of course, an overall architectural lead. We have a technical lead. And then we can see, um, you know, the owner on top with their project management team and their, and their clinical leadership. And then below we have uh, have all the different subconsultants. Uh, Stantic is a large firm. We have many of those consultants in house, but we often will have to still again go out and partner with different subconsultant firms to bring in that specialty expertise that we believe adds value. Um, you know, and then what we do 
as we go forward is we want to make sure that we have all of the right people on the project, um, you know, and with the right processes. Uh, so again, it's that development of, of those people. So internally, you know, we do training for our, our, our individuals so that they understand, you know, how to deliver some of these projects uh, on time and on budget. And at the same time, how to make sure that we hone our, our, our skills with the client so that we can get the client what they want in a time in the right time frame. You know, we, we, uh, we do a plan ahead again, make sure that we, um, create work plans that, uh, that the client understands, you know, the schedules that the client understands. In this case, we had to work with the construction schedule as well, that the contractor uh, brings to bear. So all those things have to be linked up, uh, and, uh, make sure that we're delivering in the, in the right way. You know, so this is, um, shows a work plan. Um, I've, I've cut off the names to protect the innocent. Uh, so, uh, sorry about that. We do show, uh, you know, different rates and then we show, you know, different days, uh, how much time is going to be spent. You know, so we, we do something where we show week by week, uh, put a schedule together. So again, from the business side, it's very important that we do a ground up work plan that we understand, you know, all of the time that it's going to take for us to deliver uh, the project from all the different people that work within the firms. Um, you know, often again, you'll need to, to do um, exercises to make sure that you get the right information to the right people at the right time. Um, so one of the things again that we do is have all of our subconsultants, um, you know, even when they're providing fees to us, you know, sort of work within our own work plan and make sure that all of that uh, links together in, a, in, a, in a, an appropriate budget so that we can uh, deliver the project successfully um, for the client in the time frame they want, but at the same time still trying to make money. Uh, this uh, results in us putting a, a cash flow package together. You know, from that perspective, um, it's very important that that cash flow match up to, uh, you know, in our in our opinion anyway, very important that the cash flow match up to the to the progress of the work. Uh, often you can have uh, projects go on hold, uh, perhaps even sometimes get cancelled. I mean, obviously it's very interesting what's occurred. You know, in, with uh, with the unfortunately pandemic uh, that we're seeing, we have seen some projects go on hold. So, you know, if you get too far ahead and you're designing something and it doesn't match your cash flow and you're well ahead of it and the project goes on hold, often the client won't want to pay you, uh, you know, uh, the amount you've actually maybe spent. So we try to make sure that we match our cash flow and billings to the, uh, the actual work we're doing. And that's why, you know, it's very important that we create that ground up work plan um, so that we understand the budgets that we have on a monthly basis and compare it to the cash flow that we're going to be billing the client at. And make sure that those are matched so that we don't uh, we're not out of pocket let's say if, if if something unforeseen occurs when we look at um you know a, a big projects uh, sometimes it's very important to have backups to to be resilient if certain things happen and that you have some plans for for certain elements we've we've had you know people retire we've had people uh leave us uh th through some projects when you've got a lot of time and you got to make sure that you've got the ability to recover from that and that you've built some contingency into your uh, into your budgeting uh, so that if something unforeseen occurs you're able to respond uh you know uh, clean it up and, and stay again in course uh, of uh, not losing money uh, ultimately so it's very important to build uh, build a, a contingency into to your project budgets if you can uh, and and ultimately understand that there will be change that occurs and that you're able to adapt to that change uh, as you go forward. So, you know, sometimes projects as well um, get cut in half or or even grow, and the ability to uh, to grow with the with the project or to uh, respond to uh, a, a reduction 
uh, can take place and you're able to, to handle that and still, again, uh, stay in business by making, uh, making a profit. Now, again, we, we, we try very hard to develop uh, efficiencies in our work. We, again, we think it provides some value to the client if we can do it perhaps faster, um, you know, maybe a little bit better as we go forward. Um, you know, we, have, we, we, we like to start at the end and really learn our lessons from our previous projects, trying very hard to do a lessons learned with the client, uh, do, do some stuff with our contractors and contractor partners as well at times to say, you know, what can we have done better? How could we have done it perhaps a little faster? Maybe getting some standardized details and certain components of our projects, but at the same time, leaving the innovation and allow um, uh, um, the architectural uh, group to, to still design uh, you know, something unique. Uh, uh, you know, so in the clinical side, if, if for instance, we have typical rooms or whatnot, that may be something that we're able to bring to bear to do it faster, but at the same time, leave the core and shell piece um, so that we can have something unique uh, and something special within the communities that we're designing it in. Uh, so, and again, from uh, you know, honing a process, learning you know, what technology may help uh, in the future, learning what uh, what tools we can use, whether it be the, you know, some of the new software that's available in the, in parametric modeling, so that you um, you know, can model things uh, faster and look at several different options as you go along and pick the the best value. Uh, to obviously 3D modeling and whatnot, so we can have our owners experience the building uh, in a in a unique way uh, without having necessarily to model it, uh, uh, you know, physically any, any longer as we used to uh, do mock-ups and whatnot. So again, you know, we can see uh, sort of a, a touch screen in the back and uh, and the 3D uh, component uh, there in the front. Uh, um, you know, having the the right tools. You know, honing your process is very important, we feel, because it does allow you to take that work plan and potentially, you know, put, uh, um, you know, some efficiencies into it. Uh, we're in a very competitive world. We're trying to, to uh, win projects competitively, uh, and you need to learn how to do things a little faster and maybe also, um, you know, let your clients see things a little earlier so that they know what they're getting and ultimately they perceive the value that you're trying to bring to the table. You know, when we look at uh, these three projects, that sort of a timeline, you know, 2014, 2018, 2020, uh, three uh, different hospital projects that, that we did um, all in a in sort of a PFI mode in, in, in uh, the province that I'm in, British Columbia. It's, uh, it's interesting. We, we, we started with a pool planning uh, solutions and, and uh, some, some modeling solutions on that first one. Uh, that design took about 22 months. Uh, all these projects are very similar in size. The next, uh, the next one on the screen, uh, we were able to do it in about 18 months, and then the last one we were able to do it in about 16 months. And and uh, very similar uh, projects. Um, and and again, I, with honing our skills and honing our pool planning process, making sure we knew what was needed by what consultants when. You know, we were able to get the foundations in the ground faster in the last one than we could have in the first one. We were able to you know work with the user groups uh, group process and bring some consistency of design and modularity and some of the construction techniques so that we could build it faster. We're seeing more and more pressure on us as, as architects and designers to be able to do that. And, and there's certainly some, some excellent uh, techniques out there to allow us to do it faster and I think bring more value to the clients. So again, technology solutions are also available. You know, we we do use uh, drones uh, often for for some of our remote work, where we can actually take pictures 
you know, the groundworks, et cetera, maybe even do topographic surveys, et cetera, so that you're able to, to do that remotely, especially in some of the remote projects, so you don't have to go there. Once again, that can save some dollars, um, you know, from, from, a, from a project. We also have, you know, have Matterport scanners and, and some of the techniques where you can go and look at an existing building and, uh, and see what all the services are, et cetera, and model it up and, and put it into the model without, again, having to draw everything, measure everything yourself, because it does it for you. So again, there are several different technology solutions available today. Many of you probably very familiar with what, yourselves and what you use uh, that can provide that efficiency and that opportunity to, uh, to uh, manage your budgets, maybe a little better than in the past. Again, you know, one of the things we wanna make sure that you do is you still provide that unique and specialized resource on the projects, whether it be, you know, passive house, uh, whether it be cold climate experts, whether it be in the case of healthcare, you know, a, a special clinician or a lean design expert that can come in and help hone the, the process and the tools so that you can do it more efficiently and yet at the same time still provide that um, very specialized resource that can be the difference between uh, providing a great project and not, uh, whether that even be the great architecture itself that, uh, that the clients are looking for and trying to transcend the, the, the normal project and give them something uh, quite special uh, you, you need those unique and specialized resources. One of the things we try to make sure we're doing is always um, reaching out to the industry and finding those resources if we don't have them internally uh, and uh, and building those relationships so that when a project comes up, a quick phone call and you know we've worked together uh, before or people have wanted to work with us or we wanted to work with them and we can provide that um, you know sort of uh, early friendship and early uh, collaboration so that when we uh, win the project, um, we're, we're, we're not at odds and, uh, and we're aligned and working closely together on the project. You know, this was a, a cold climate uh, project at Callaway Airport. We had to bring in some cold climate expertise, uh, you know, did uh, sort of a, a thermal uh, uh, labyrinth underneath the building to make sure that the permafrost uh, remained perma uh, so it wouldn't uh, melt and ultimately the building wouldn't move. Uh, and again, we went out and reached out and got some of that expertise for this project, and uh, it's worked very well. So again, you know, it is all about building those strong relationships um, uh, with the industry, understanding that we're we are a small community, uh, despite you know the diverse nature of that community, and trying to make sure that um, we understand who who's out there uh, in in that industry, so that we can uh, partner up when needed and as well build internal relationships with our project managers and our architectural uh, um, uh, deliverers of the projects and make sure that they understand that we are a business, but at the same time, we are trying to trying to give that value and that special, uh, a special unique um, element to the client by improving their business in, in whatever buildings we're doing. And that's always our goal. So again, we, you know, we have a, a relationship with the contractor there is an, a new method called integrated project delivery uh, called IPD in, uh, in, in, it's not that new, but in, in North America, this project was delivered that way where you've got a, a single contract with the owner, uh, the contractor and the consultant team and, and uh, even the subcontractors and it was delivered well. Um, we were able to find uh, significant uh, savings as we went through it by working closely with the contractor, seeing what was ex expensive and maybe unaffordable taking some of that out while at the same time making sure that the uh, criteria that the owner had 
uh, in this case, a program in a welcoming and friendly uh, building. Uh, this is in Saskatchewan, uh, in, in Moose Jaw. And ultimately, uh, we felt that we've delivered a, a, a good project. Again, working very closely with the owner uh, in this project, uh, uh, we had to do a lot of excavation. Uh, you can't see that. Uh, we were able to use that deep um, hole to actually put a thermal labyrinth in, uh, really find operational savings for the client in this case. Uh, ultimately, uh, it, uh, it uh, added a little in capital, but it paid for itself much quicker. So we were able to show them that and demonstrate that um, from that perspective. And they decided to spend a little extra money and, uh, and rather than putting a whole bunch of fill in, uh, they, um, they provided a thermal labyrinth, which we were able to preheat the air and ultimately uh, and pre-cool the air and ultimately save a lot of energy. You know, again, you're trying to get buy-in, you know, from the different stakeholders. You know, the, the communities out there are now very diverse. You know, uh, we often are working with indigenous uh, communities uh, and ultimately you have to meet with those users, really get to understand what they're uh, demands and desires are and try to build those into your projects um, as you go forward. Uh, so it's, a, it, you know, diversity is something that um, should be celebrated and uh, you try to bring that in to, to, with, with your clients, ultimately uh, bringing success. Again, you know, we try to connect with our communities, really work uh, you know, hard to make sure that we're managing that uh, and, and, and bringing, uh, you know, the community into our teams to make sure that we are you know, balancing the, those requirements with, with, uh, with the work that we do. You know, in conclusion, you know what we you know try to try to achieve is do great projects by um, you know, build, uh, building that relationship with the client. Ultimately, try to make sure we provide value for them, while at the same time trying to you know build something that will have a lasting legacy within the community, whether that be because it's beautiful or, or whether that be. Um, because it's uh, uh, functional for the client and hopefully both um, you know, as we go forward. So thank you very much. Am I back on? Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dean. A, a very interesting uh, pre present presentation. Um, Robin, do you recognize some of the issues that, that uh, uh, Dean has uh, described? from your experience, both at Cullinan Studio and through the Construction Industry Council. Uh, Jeremy, yes, I do. Uh, and hello, everybody. Uh, I, I've got a few thoughts that I put together, which I'm uh, going to uh, explain to you without slides. I agree with Dean's comments on collaboration, testing the brief, appointing the whole team early, learning lessons, etc. It was an impressive presentation of Stantec's multidisciplinary tech-enabled approach and, of course, the importance of the cash flow that we all need. Jeremy introduced me as a former uh, chair of the UK Construction Industry Council, which indeed I was. Uh, I now spend even more time uh, encouraging our professional institutions to collaborate to work together for their members' benefit and to have greater influence with government and for the greater good. Each country has its own culture of design and construction. Uh, uh, in some, the architect has total control, while in the UK, us architects have a rather reduced power. When designing our new Singapore, uh, the, the new Singapore Management University, uh, asking our engineers what they thought was seen as a, a sign of weakness. For me, collaboration across with the whole team is the key 
and this needs mutual respect. And I think uh, that's where I uh, am with Dean on this. Uh, we are all subject to contracts and insurance, but collaborative contracts with insured performance outcomes are very rare in the UK. It was good to hear uh, Dean describe one that they're doing. However, we are halfway through the building of a £16 million uh, teaching building at Dudley College using just such a contract. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it ends up. Why does this matter? Uh, well, climate and biodiversity emergency. In the UK, we have a legal obligation uh, to deliver zero emissions by 2050. With buildings being responsible for at least 40% of the emissions, we have a lot to do. Working backwards, as Dean did, uh, all new uh, buildings will be zero carbon by 2030. And that means uh, that uh, we must all know how to design and build them uh, by 2025 which is about the day after tomorrow. When we were designing a carbon neutral garden city uh, way back in, uh, it, uh, in 2010, uh, a, a garden, carbon neutral garden city for 60,000 people in Shahat in uh, Libya, we had a great multidisciplinary team and we consulted widely with the local farmers and residents working closely with government officials. But there were fewer examples for us to draw on then. Now we have pockets of low energy excellence all over the world. In the age of the circular donut economy, we do need to start by questioning whether we really need a new building, especially if it involves pulling down an existing one. Clearly, this is more the case in much of the global north than the global south, which has a lot of building to do. Uh, to achieve the net zero buildings by 2030, we need to start setting ourselves performance targets for whole life carbon as part of the brief and commit to regular measurement during design and occupation. The RIBA awards now require you to submit an embodied carbon calculation. So the choice of materials will begin to change. And for instance, the use of cement in concrete will be phased out, as will gas boilers for heating uh, in the UK in 2025. I think it is great that the climate emergency gives us uh, designers uh, even more responsibility and wonderful opportunities. For example, I don't expect to see north elevations to look like south elevations much longer, as orientation is one of the key aspects of reducing demand. Yes, collaboration matters, and I look forward uh, to working with uh, my fellow uh, professionals in all projects. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robin. Uh, um, I think some very perceptive comments following Dean's presentation. And I think what's interesting is, is both of you have highlighted the issue of collaboration, but clearly for, for the experience that you both have, collaboration is different because at, at Stantech, Dean's firm is obviously a very large firm where you've got lots of different professionals um, and you might occasionally bring in people with real expertise from outside the firm. Um, whereas Robin, I guess you are always in Cullinan's studio working with uh, engineers in separate organizations, different, maybe different types of engineers, maybe landscape architects. And I wonder if you can both say, perhaps Dean first and then Robin, um, something about how you can ensure that the, the collaboration is really creative and effective in this uh, focus on delivering the best outcome for the client. 
Thank you. Yes. I mean, what, what we try to do is make sure that people know one another in a, in a big firm. That's actually quite a challenge, um, you know, where we can get together, understand one another. Uh, it's hard to force it. I mean, we, we, we it, you know, you try to, to put the teams together uh, ahead of time, make sure that people understand it, uh, make sure that they have a common goal, um, you know, for it. We have, we do have working sessions where we'll get together and, you know, talk about the goals for the project, make sure that people understand that common goal and put a bit of a project charter together with the client ultimately so that everybody sort of gets on that same page and, and wants to collaborate together. As you said, you know, a diverse set of professionals, a diverse set of, of, of ideas uh, that come together from whether it be the engineering teams, whether it be the architectural teams. Uh, so what we try to do is, again, you know, pre-do that, um, get the team look like, a, you know, together so that they understand how uh, they can work together. Uh, and again, some of the processes that we develop as well from a poll planning process, when our people understand the schedule and the time so that they can come in and, and deliver their stuff on time, uh, which obviously helps the project and helps value for the client. You know, thanks. It depends a large extent on the client uh, because we have to work really closely with the client so that they uh, understand the importance of in point, appointing the whole team right at the beginning if we're to deliver a uh, contemporary uh, low energy, hopefully near zero uh, building, which means, for instance, that you need the landscape architect on day one uh, because they are an important part of the climate uh, strategy. You need the environmental engineer on day one because uh, the, we don't know it all. Uh, and then immediately you open up the team uh, to a wider group then you get a, uh, a, a, a better discussion going, uh, assuming, of course, that everyone uh, is working together. I think uh, the, the big challenge is when and how to bring in uh, the contractor and how contracting is going to change uh, over time, because uh, to a certain extent, as professionals, we, we probably could be doing a lot of the construction management ourselves uh, as a team. But that's, uh, I think, uh, a rarity. Yeah, and Robin, on, on that note, I mean, do you recognise Dean's comment that there is this division between architects who, who, who want to design and managers who want to manage? And how do you deal with that in a, in a relatively small firm like Cullinan Studio? Well, I think we, rec we, we manage that by recognising that we all have uh, our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and there are, we even within a practice our size, people who are much better at uh, the, the minutiae and the management than uh, others uh, who are better at the, uh, or uh, more comfortable with the imagination, imagining uh, uh, alternative futures. I think the key that we have is that we work uh, in a, a open studio. Uh, we. Uh, all work together. We, it is a collaborative, it's a cooperative uh, and has been for 60 years. So uh, we, are, we are in it together uh, and we uh, uh, recognise one another's talents and try to make the best use of them. Yes, and um, I want to go a bit further into the issue that uh, Dean raised about cash flow. Now, uh, you know, plans of work and other sorts of... Uh, uh, ways of, of con constructing and charging fees um, don't always uh, re re recognize 
the level of work that needs to be done at each stage. Um, nor necessarily do they recognize the different levels of expertise, maybe from internal or external consultants uh, that need to be brought together. And I wonder, Dean, if you can say something about how uh, you manage uh, that cash flow uh, to be allocated to different um, professional skills, whether it's within your firm or whether it's outside the firm. Um, because I guess ultimately for the client, the client wants the best possible project, wants to know more or less what it's going to cost, um, and doesn't really matter mind how uh, that's divided up, provided the outcome is right. Yeah, ultimately, again, it does come down to the conversations that you can have with the client so that the client understands it. I, I think it's a very interesting question because what we're seeing now with you know the emphasis on sustainability and resiliency that the that early stage planning, which you know perhaps we used to think was maybe ten percent or twelve and a half percent of the fee, you know sometimes can be up to twenty percent of the fee or more, uh, and maybe even that early design development can be forty percent of the fee. And therefore, you want to make sure that your cash flow and that the client understands that that early work, which might be much heavier today uh, in some of the projects that you're doing, because if you get it right, you can often bring you know some modularity or, or some some uh, components in the design, the detail design part that uh, you know can can be much more efficient but that early planning stage you know has to be allowed for so we we that's why we do cash flow that's why we show our clients the cash flow so they understand what they're going to be paying and if they don't like it well obviously they can have that conversation with you but that that new you know the new the new reality is is you're often are spending more money up front and it's very important that that, that all of us capture that and let the clients know that that that's the, the new world order as it, as it might be and I, I guess this uh, approach to managing the cash flow and bringing the clients in to, to how you're using their money, how you're spending their money, um, is, is a very useful tool if you need to negotiate for extra fees, if the plan of work changes and the, the scale of, of work changes, as, as you said, often happens during the lifetime of a project. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a tool to sort of say here's where we should have delivered you've got your scheduled deliverables ultimately when the client changes their mind or adds uh, something or even deletes something which you know causes you to do some rework you want to be able to say hey that wasn't built in and ultimately you know please uh, pay us for it i mean we are in business uh you know often we 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 want to say yes uh you know we we we, we like the fact that we have the assignment the client wants you to say yes and it takes that discipline to be able to come in and say, look, we believe that we deserve this extra. We're you know, design professionals. We've done extra work. You know, all lawyers of the world would certainly ask for more if they were doing it. I think that's the, something, the discipline that we have to bring to, to this, the business discipline to say, yes, we we're, we're, we should get paid for the extra work we're doing. And Robin, I, 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 guess I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I, I think that the um, sometimes uh, a, a plea for uh, fees for more work for definitely but i think the dudley college project is really interesting because with the client and in fact with the main contractor we all sat around a table and worked out before we drew anything uh, uh how much time we were going to spend and what we would be paid for doing that work and we've been paid once that was agreed as a pro as a schedule we are then paid against that schedule and if we're asked to do extra work, we get paid for doing it at an agreed rate. Now, we've never had such an arrangement before, but it is really, really uh, good discipline. 
uh, to work out beforehand exactly what you're going to spend your time doing and for the client to be a party to that. Yes. Um, and do you think that this sort of can be adopted as best practice? And if so, uh, thinking back to your construction industry council hat, how can you get that message across to clients that there are huge advantages for them in understanding how their cash is spent in this way? It, it sounds uh, wonderfully logical, and you would think it happens. I mean, it's supported by the government, it's supported by the cabinet office, it's supported by a whole range of official bodies. But unfortunately, many of our clients are surrounded by um, uh, uh, people who like managing other people, uh, and lawyers, and insurers. Uh, and I think the insurance industry is probably the biggest problem we all face, which is they don't like insuring anything new. Uh, so they don't like insuring things they don't know about. And they, particularly in uh, in the UK, uh, insurance, insuring other people's work is really, really difficult at the moment uh, and not helped by the economic situation, of course. Uh, but I think the insurers ought to be part of the solution. And I think we uh, covered that to some extent in our business stream se session yesterday. But Dean, from your point of view, in, in, in a very large firm, do you see that you've got some uh, weight your, 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 when you make these recommendations um, that, that what you say carries some uh, influence and authority, perhaps? Uh, probably, uh, unfortunately, probably not more so than, than the small firms. But what I will say is, the one thing, the one advantage that we have, you know, I'm in the buildings group, but we do have a big civil group. We have a big transportation group. And what we see in those big mega projects is the fact that cash flow, you know, has been put forward and sort of taught us in our building side that we should be bringing that forward and, and showing it to the client and getting the client's buy-in. Because once the client has that buy-in that we've talked about as well earlier, you know, they then have sort of, you know, you know, accepted the fact that this is going to happen. So when there's significant change, which we've seen in civil projects, you know, it's, it's much, it seems much more readily acceptable that in, in those big mega projects that if there's change that you get paid for the change versus buildings, which has always struggled to some degree to, to get that extra uh, when there's a change. But when you put that cash flow forecast, when you put that work plan in front of them and, and you put your deliverable schedule in front of them, when that changes, you know, they have no choice but to at least listen to you because you've developed, you know, that plan and put that forward and say, hey, look, you know, we this is obviously significantly different now. You know, there's certainly reasons why. And ultimately, please, you know, can you can you pay us for that? We do find that we're much more successful because we've shown them the plan than when we just had, you know, maybe old percentage fees, et cetera, that we used to do. Yeah, um, I, I think what we're coming to here is is um, almost a way of putting back together the um, sort of Vitruvian hodgepodge of different skills that architects meant to have. It's obviously impossible for a single individual to have all the skills that Vitruvius says an architect ultimately should have. But through having some form of collaborative uh, group uh, which can ebb and flow, where the different disciplines can ebb and flow in terms of leadership and support, that we might actually get back to the point where the design team is offering those skills as a philosopher, technologist, uh, uh, a lawyer, artist, uh, geometrician, and, uh, and, and musician. And I think, um, as uh, Robin was saying, um, insurer as well, because I think insurance is, is as we said, absolutely key to this and, and how that is provided. 
I quite agreed on, I say, Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the one thing that we we haven't talked about is is about the need to consult with the users. Uh, and I think that's a way in which we as architects particularly can win the respect of our clients by demonstrating that through consultation, we can actually save them a lot of money uh, by uh, adjusting the brief uh, so that it's a, a shared uh, brief rather than uh, a collection of individual briefs. Uh, and uh, then we can work uh, with them we're losing connection yeah I'm losing that I think we're all still here <laughs> good okay no we, we lost the connection in the studio there but I think that's a, a very interesting note to, to come to a conclusion on, if I take the, the thrust of what you were saying, which is about the, the, the user being part of this collaborative approach. And the user, of course, um, is now a much more complicated issue in the sense that the client might be a public sector client providing a facility which will be used by a very wide range of, of, of the public. I mean, as Dean was showing some of those big hospitals, the client might be your PFI consortium or uh, local authority, the, the regional health authorities, um, but it can also be uh, seen as being the individual users, the patients in the case of a hospital. So thank you very much to both Robin and Dean for a fascinating conversation before we're handing back uh, to, for the next session. Thank you. Thank you very much.